Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories. It's me, Shannon. Today we chatted with a marathon swimmer who first circumnavigated Manhattan in 1991. In 1994, she crossed the English Channel, documenting her preparation in her book, Dover Solo. Upon completing the Catalina Channel in 2005, Marsha Cleveland set the record for the fastest triple crown, a record that still stands today. And she's still swimming marathons, having completed the Tsuguru Strait just last year. I can relate to so much of what Marcia says about the pieces all coming together and everything working out just right so that you can complete a long swim. Once you're a mom, there's a whole new meaning to shore support, and actually getting to the start of a swim can feel like half the battle. After that, all you have to do is swim. While also a marathon swimming mom of two kids, I feel like I'm quite the opposite of Marcia who's kept logs of every single training swim since she was 15 years old. In comparison, I feel like I barely prioritize swimming, but know that I revel in each opportunity that I make. The pure fact that Marcia started marathon swimming nearly 30 years ago is amazing, but the fact that she pushed on with toddlers, young kids, teenagers, and now continues with kids on their way to college is completely awe-inspiring to me. I hope you're also inspired. Please enjoy this episode. I am so excited. Thank you very much, Marcia, for taking the time to be with us today. Um, Tell us your story. Well, I've been a swimmer all my life. Uh, Like many open water swimmers, um, let's see, I started swimming before I remember, um, my parents threw me in a pool. Well, I used to get in pools fully clothed. And so they finally started teaching me how to swim when I was about a year and a half. That was in the mid sixties. Um, I'm 56 years old now. Uh, we live in the suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, and we've been here for 17 years. I started out on the East coast. I consider myself an East coaster still. Um, lived in New York and Connecticut. I was born in Pennsylvania. So I've just like swimming has always been part of my life. Um, I, I spent age group, high school, college for four years and I was really done. I mean, I was just couldn't wait for that last meet to be over. And then six weeks later, I really missed it and I got back in the pool. Um, <laughs> So I, I, I think what it was is I got back in the pool on my own terms and I, I had really good high school and age group coaches who taught me strong, strong work ethics. And then after college, um, I moved to New York and I lived there for several years. I met my husband there. But I, I found a master's team and a lot of the swimmers there had done things like some around Manhattan and a couple had done the English Channel. And being a young kid on the block, I got dragged to the beach and I was still pretty fast back then. So I, I was just introduced to it and I really loved it. And because master swimming was, it's an adult sport, you know, you're on your own 
and um, you know, you make up your own rules, but I came across some really good coaches in my master's swimming when I was in New York, um, Foster de Jesus and Paul Fortoul. And they, they pretty much made me aware of what I was capable of and then helped me get there. And I did like into my early thirties in pool swimming, I did eight lifetime bests. I mean, that's a lot to be said for, you know, somebody that has swum that long. So I just was, and I was working full time and married and um, I just started to embrace what I had. So when I was, when I was in New York, um, I started crewing for people on the Manhattan swim. And I'm sure Chris, you were in one of those. (laughs) My first one was 1989. And then um, I actually got married in September 1990. So my husband didn't want me to swim around in August in 1990 because he wanted me to come back. Um, <laughs> but the waters are really clean around Manhattan. You'd be very surprised. Um, you know, it's the top three feet is what you need in every swim. So I did my first swim in 19, my first swim around Manhattan in 1991. And I think, Chris, you got second in that. And Jim Barber was first and it came down to the touch. (laughs) Um, But I was, I think I was the first woman in fifth overall. And it was just amazing. I thought it would just be really, really, really hard. And it turned out that it was hard, but I had so much capacity for more. And when I was crossing the World Trade Centers, I was like, you know what, I I can do this. This has been a piece of cake. I I can swim the English Channel. And so I decided that, you know, in my mind at that point that I was going to do that. And I trained really hard for the next several years. Um, And I swam the English Channel in 1994. But I did a lot of open water swims in the interim of that. Um, So along the way, there's been a lot of uh, various series that have been concocted and put together and one of them is the triple crown which um it was i don't even know when it came to be but um i did so manhattan is one of the legs the english channel is another one of the legs and catalina is another one of the legs the third leg and i did the um in, in 2005 two friends and I, Liz Fry and David Blank, we did Catalina together. We didn't even know there was a triple crown, but the combined legs on those, uh, that added up to the fastest triple crown in the world. And I don't know that anybody has gone faster than what I did, but anyway, like, you know, there's these prizes that you get along the way that you didn't even know existed. Um, Another thing that I did is when I was trained to swim the English Channel, there wasn't there wasn't a lot of resources out there. As Chris had mentioned in his earlier, his earlier um, interview that, you know, we were really on our own. It was, you were writing handwritten letters, you were calling on the phone, there was not the internet. And so I've always been somebody who's kept track of my workouts, um, every single one of them for a long, long time, since I was 15 actually. And so I just sort of started a journal when I was um, doing the English Channel. I mean, basically it was just pages out of my log book. And I was like, you know what? This would make a good resource for other people. And it wasn't so much. And so I wrote a book called Dover Solo, 
And um, that's become like the training Bible of the English Channel. And my intentions on that was to capture my thoughts at the time as a memoir, but also to offer it to people so that they can decide what they want to do and how they can have a life and a balance and still train for a major goal. So it was, that was the, the point of it. And people are still, you know, reading that. And I'm really glad that they're using it as a tool because with the internet now being so pervasive, you get a lot of people who are resident experts right out of the blocks and um, it concerns me a bit. So um, I, so I would, <clears throat> excuse me, I did a lot of open water swims after the English channel. I was sort of like, what's next? Cause we didn't really have the, this national or international circuit like we do now. I met a lot of people on the beach from in England, but it wouldn't have occurred to me to go to Australia to swim some of their swims. So I decided to do Manhattan the next year. And then I did it the year after that. And then in 1998, um, we had our first child, Julia, and she's 22. She just graduated from college. She swam for four years at Kenyon. Go ladies, go lords. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a difficult end to the college career for all of these kids. But, um, and I actually swam in a swim meet nine days before she was born. Oh, nice. So, you know, but it was, it was fun. You know, it was like, it's really great. And it's, people have just seen her grow up. And I love that. And then almost three years later, our son Sam was born in December 2000. So I had a lot going on in my life. Um, we were in Connecticut at the time. And, you know, I got interested, in, you know, and involved in being a mom, but I still managed to swim somewhat. I, I was able to do what I could do. And like when I did Catalina in 2005, I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning so I could get all my workout done to get home in order to, you know, do everything that I needed to do during the daytime, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like when my eight-year-old is going to bed before, I'm going to bed before her is a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I did in 2005, did Catalina and then 2008, I swam the shoreline in Chicago, which is a swim that Kevin Murphy had turned me on to. And that was a great swim. Um, David Blank and I did that with one of my um, swim friends here in Chicago, Chris Layton. And I, again, I got up really early in the morning to do my training. And that was, it was a long, hard swim. It was 26 miles, but it was just a great experience. So, um, then in 2011, I swam Anacapa with Chris Layton. And so it's just like, it was, it's so much of the balance for me. Mm -hmm. And then from about 2011, the next major swim I did was in 2017. So my swimming career, I think has come in about in two parts and maybe it'll be the third part after a coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. Because right. like, who knows how long this is gonna last and when we're gonna be, you know, able to resume what regular swimming that we used to be able to do. Um, but so between about 2011 and 2017, I mean, even those earlier years, I had it on simmer. And that's the way, the only way I could 
live with myself knowing that I had a lot of more capacity in me, but I just didn't have the time and the resources to be able to do major swims because I really had to, you know, be the mom that I wanted to be my, with my children. And my husband traveled internationally a lot too. So a lot of this was on me. Yeah. So, um, when Julie was in high school, like junior and senior in high school, I was like, you know, sitting at three and four day swim meets, you know, because she only lives once. And so I had to do that stuff and it was okay. Um, but I was like, you know what, when she goes to college, I'm going to see if I can get back into this. So when she graduated or, you know, went off to college, you know, I cried a river. I really missed her. And I, I lost two of my other training swimming pals that summer too, because they moved away for various reasons. So I was really bummed, but I decided then I was going to do Lake Tahoe. Mm -hmm. And, um, cause I just wanted to see if I could do something that, you know, some lesser known swim that would uh, let me know if I could continue to, swim at the level that I used to swim. So I did that and I mentioned that to Liz Fry and her, in her very Liz Fry way, cause she's the director of Swim Across, America, swim Across the Sound. She goes, well, you know, that swim's only three weeks before Tahoe. And so why don't you do that? I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, and that was a really hard swim. I mean, it's just, it's just a really, you really got to slog it out, but it's for such a great cause. Um, they raise funds for families living expenses while whether the person themselves or the family is um, under financial duress due to, um, due to cancer. And I just, it's like, they'll drive you to your appointments. So they'll cover your gas bill or light bill or whatever. And it's just such a great thing. And I'm really, really glad for that experience having done that. And then three weeks later, I turned around, I did Lake Tahoe and I was, I was okay. And I started to set my sights on some more bigger swims because I actually realized I had the ability to continue to do this, but I also had um, the time to do it too. And my son is a runner. So, and he's pretty, he's a pretty good runner. So um, we, you know, just, I, I was able to balance everything out. So it was, everybody got a little bit of a piece, including me. So um, then I did the North Channel in 2018. So that was the year after Tahoe and the Swim Across the Sound. And that was a real difficult swim in the sense that it's just so cold for so long and there's just jellyfish everywhere. And that is not a swim that you can take lightly. I mean, none of the marathon swims are ones that you can take lightly. They're all hard. It's just a matter of degree of, of challenge. And I had, I had a, an okay day. I didn't have a perfectly flat day, but it was 15 hours and 53 degree water yeah. with jellyfish everywhere. It was really, really challenging on that. But I just kept going. I mean, Liz had told me, before, I mean, she hadn't even done North Channel at that point. She goes, just keep swimming, Marsha. And I just remember, just keep on, I just kept on saying that to myself. So I was, I just kept going um, and I got there. And then, um, let's see, uh, there's been a couple other ones since then. Last summer, I did a swim in Japan between the North, South Island, the main island and 
the North Island, and that went pretty well too. So um, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm certainly looking forward to getting back into top training form once the pandemic is over. Yeah. But something that's been nice is that uh, we, I live about a mile and a half from Lake Michigan. So I, I'm certainly not the fastest by any means, but I have, you know, I, I tell people to do things and they actually do them. So we have about 50 or 60 people on a regular basis that show up at a training beach, all socially distanced and appropriate. And we've been swimming since uh, started in the beginning of May when the water was 48. And people who are pool swimmers who don't want to pay the astronomically expensive rates that are being charged for pool access right now, are starting to realize that, you know, open water is really fun and I really like this. And the water temperatures like in the mid seventies right now. So it's, it's been fun to, to help other people with that. Yeah. So now I'll come up for air. <laughs> what other questions you want to ask me? <laughs> I'm curious. Um, first of all, I love connecting with a marathon swimmer with kids. So thank you <laughs> for, again, for connecting with that. Me. Yeah. 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 Um, what, how has, so I usually ask the question of, um, how do you describe the feeling of completing a marathon swim? But I'm curious, especially over, you know, all of your, all of your history, it's been so long. So, how, I mean, has that changed at all for you? <laughs> Absolutely. So I am somebody that has had two very different experiences. Um, you know, when I first started marathon swimming, um, when I was 27, in 1991, I, I did a 10-mile race before I did Manhattan called Candlewood Race in Connecticut, and I wrote my obituary in that race. I just, I was going to die. I mean, I knew that this was it, and I had no idea, like, the capacity that I had, and I should just have shut up and keep, kept going. So, um, you know, it was definitely all about me. And, you know, when, in the beginning, and it was easy to be all about me because it was just, it was about me and it was just mm -hmm. my husband. And, you know, I was training nine times a week and running 40 miles a week. And I did two, two marathons during that time. And I didn't have a care in the world. You know, I had a great job. I had a really good boss, everything. It was all about me and it was okay. And on my swims, it was my husband and some close friends who were always, um, who were my crew, so I could say anything I wanted to. And it was, you know, I was good because I was able to have all these resources. And I always knew that we were gonna have children, or we always knew, and it definitely changed my life in the sense my reactions have changed and I'm much more balanced and I'm more careful about what I say to my crew because I understand the power of language. And I also have, um, you know, just ha having the patience mm -hmm. because, you know, Marsha from 1991 would not have made the North Channel in 2018. I would have been crying and whining and being bitten mm -hmm. by another jellyfish and this isn't fun. So it's definitely, I have become a lot more patient, um, probably a lot more welcoming to a lot of other people. Not to say that I wasn't before, but I'm 
you know, the person now who's sheep dogging back to get the slowest person or to get somebody who's off course and yell at them in a very nice way to say, don't ever do that again. Um, so it's just, I, I'm definitely more, uh, pretty more balanced and capable. I mean, certainly over what, geez, 28 years, you know, it's like been, well, 29 years now. I certainly have, you know, I'm not as fast as I used to be and that's certainly okay, understandable. But it's just nice to share it more with people now than to have them feel like they have to have some sort of punch card in the membership club. And it's just, it's been fun, especially with this pandemic, you know, that's gotta be the, the, uh, the flower that I take from this whole thing. Cause it certainly has inconvenienced, you know, the swimming plans that I had and the swimming plans that I had for a lot of the group that we swim with. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, the way that I've also always, you know, finishing, completing a marathon swim, I would have to say the biggest, the first emotion is relief that everything worked out because there's so many things that can go wrong mm -hmm. and you're just, I'm just grateful and relieved that I, that I make it. And that, that has not changed actually. Um, but then there's also the feeling of like, wow, that was awesome. I just did that. I was able to pull my body across that, that, that body of water. And that was amazing. And I remember um, crawling up onto the shore in Scotland and, and this swim had not gone well at all when I did the North Channel, you know, just there was a lot of things that went wrong that I completely take on for myself. You know, it's, it's, it's all on me if something goes wrong. And I just remember, oh my God, I can stop now. Just because I would have kept going, but it was just so hard. And it was just the relief that I could stop. So I would have to say that there was a lot of, you know, that, that is something that I think that people who are new to the sport don't quite understand the relief that comes with something that every, you know, all those times you got up four o'clock in the morning to do all your training, you know, all those car accidents you narrowly avoided, you know, all the little birthday parties you had to go to for your little children when you should have been training, all the crap that you had to do, you know, the airplane ride that you managed to get on and, you know, leave the instructions for grandma as you're leaving the kids and the worry and everything. And it all worked out. And it's just like, it's relief. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, can you tell us about the swim you're most proud of? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, yeah. some it's just a, a struggle to get to the, the water just because what, you know, for whatever's going on in my life. Um, yeah. I think there's a couple, I mean, the North channel was definitely one of the ones that the, the now Marsha is very proud of. Um, it was just so hard and the water was so cold. And that's the first time that I ever don't remember what happened. So for about the two last two hours, and I don't remember if it's, I don't remember, but I, because I was just going and going and going and going, but the 45 minutes from after I finished to what happened, I don't remember what happened because I asked my husband and he's like, 
no, um, like this is what happened, Marsha, and I have no recollection of that. But just with the jellyfish and just the cold water, and it's so pervasive. You just can't, you know, you can manage that for six hours, but 15 hours absolutely took me to my max. That, that was pretty much my max. I mean, I have so much respect for Caroline Block, who's attempting a two-way. God bless her. You know, good luck, and I hope it works out. It's just so hard. Um, but I also think that I had the, the experience in life at that point to just keep going and to know that I just needed to keep just keep swimming, turning one arm over the other. Another that I'm, that, that it just comes to mind is that when I was returning to the sport at a high level, it was a swim across the sound, which is, um, it's a swim in with Liz Fry is the race director. Mm -hmm. And it was a rough day. We had a, a late start because the weather was bad so the tide didn't do what it was supposed to do. And I remember swimming in sort of in place. And I had a really good boat pilot and everyone was trying. And I just remember, don't look up at all ahead because you, because it doesn't matter. You're just gonna keep going until you get there anyway. So, what happened is I just kept my head down. I just kept going and I, I don't even know if we were going forward because I haven't seen the chart of the course. But I started thinking about, you know, Marsha, you, you're in, you're not, you know, when you're done with this and it took, I think it was like 926 or something like that. So it was like much longer than anybody anticipated for anything. And I was actually the first solo finisher. Wow. So, and there were only three out of about eight of us that started that day. I mean, it was a really rough day. So I just said, put your head down. And then I started thinking like, you know, you only have to deal with this for however long, but people who have cancer and everything, and that's what this event is all about. They're throwing up in a garbage can right now up on that hill in Connecticut where you're swimming towards. And they're going to do that tonight and then they're going to do it tomorrow and then they're going to do it the next day and they can't stop this. Mm -hmm. So I stopped thinking about myself and I just was just like, yeah, you know, this is a great cause and I'm just going to continue to move myself forward because I'm not inconvenienced right now and I'm doing this for some, some people who really need this support. So I just kept going. You know, there's, there's another swim too that I'm, proud of um for my it's not so much for myself but it was for the community that what i was representing at the time and i was the chair of usms uh swimming u.s masters swimming the long distance committee mm -hmm. for um four years and before that i was the vice chair so in 2009 there was a swim in canandaiga lake and some lifeguard, 16 year old lifeguard, you know, halfway through the lake says, oh, I heard thunder, you know, way, way off there. And then the race was called and it was a staged race. So people had been like, they let the youngsters off first and then the 30 years old, the 40 years old. So it was staged like that. So the oldest people are going off last. And if it's a national championship, people are flying in from all over the world 
or from the United States for this lake up near Cornell in the Finger Lakes in um, upstate New York. So the race is called and I am the representative for US Masters swimming there. And I don't know that it's been called. Mm. So two things that have happened. So I, because I was in my forties, I was like in the third or fourth wave. So I actually finished the race and I get to the finish line and I see people who are in their sixties on the shore. And I'm like, oh my God, what happened? And I said, we've got to figure out how to place this race right now. Mm. And without any sort of, you know, plan here, I came up with something that worked right away. Now there was something else that happened in that race. And there was a gal who we were swimming kind of neck and neck and we get to the last buoy and it was half a mile to the finish. And I said, listen, we can either kill each other getting to the finish or we can tie on this. And she said, well, it doesn't matter because I lost my race bracelet early on, somebody kicked it off. And we were in the same age group. Uh-huh. <laughs> I said, let's finish together. I'm get, we, and this is before I even knew that the race had been called. I said, let's walk over to the timer's desk. I'm gonna vouch for you that we swam this together and we're gonna tie and that we came in on the same time. And this is somebody who's exactly the same as me. Like, you know, a mom, I think she drove in from Syracuse at like two o'clock that morning. And so we tied, you know, it was just like, I could have done the crappy thing of saying, well, that's too bad for you. But I, I, that type of sportsmanship certainly helps everybody in the community. Mm-hmm. So getting back to the other part of the race, um, what I did is I placed everybody who had actually finished the course into like basically a little bullpen. Mm-hmm. And the way that they were ranked was whatever place they finished in their age group. And everybody who did not finish the course got tied for one place down. So if four people finished the course in an, in an age group, everybody else in the race was going to be tied for fifth. Mm. And I got some heat for um, the, the people who were not there, who didn't know what the heck was going on. But it certainly gave me a good insight to saying sometimes people have to make decisions right on the spot mm-hmm. and you can't question them because you weren't there. Right. Yeah. So I'd have to say that, you know, that was a race that I'm proud of because I helped other people out and I was probably the only one at that race, no less in the country who could have put together that type of plan with about 30 seconds notice. Right. And that right. comes from experience and that right. comes from everybody allowing everybody to win a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, is there anything that you haven't finished? Oh, I, I, got, I got laundry to fold upstairs <laughs> if you wanna help out with that later. Um, you know, there's uh, like, just like Chris and Liz and Marcy McDonald and Nora, we will always be, we will always have more swims to swim. There's yeah. always more swims out there. You know, I, I have never, I've only ever gotten out of one race um, because it was just, this was even before the English Channel. It just, it was a horrible day for me, but it was also a horrible day in the conditions and it just wasn't happening. Um, 
so I, you know, there's always stuff out there that I'm, I've got my eye on and, you know, and then things pop up too. So those are, you know, yes, there's always going to be things that I haven't finished. Yeah. Is there any swim that you started that you, that you weren't able to complete? Well, that was the one that I mentioned. It was 1994 okay. and it was USA Nationals. And it was, it was in Wilmington, North Carolina. And I have no good memories of that place <laughs> um, because it was like a 15, no, it was like five to eight foot seas. Oh, wow. And it just like, it, things were not coming together. And I was in a, at a bad point in my mental life. And I was starting to do the math that if I stayed in to finish the course, we would miss our airplane. And that's always a bad sign. I'm like, not today. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. How do you um, get through the tough situations in a swim? Oh, boy. Um, you know, there's, there's so, you know, every swim has a little bit of a tough part to it. Sure. I, I often think about, you know, like, I'm only going to be given one chance to do this for the most part. And let me make the most of it. And I think that's where some patience comes in. Mm -hmm. Something that I do that's a little bit more practical than that is I count strokes. Yeah. And I'll be like, <laughs> okay, just count 300 more strokes. And it's interesting because Marcy McDonald and I used to swim a lot together when we were in Connecticut. And when, when I moved out to um, Chicago, I mean, we swim a little bit every once in a while, but like not nearly like we used to. And we actually developed the same count pattern independently of each other without even knowing it. Mm. Which I, it just is like, I don't know, it's like evolution. You know, somebody grows, you know, some animal grows up on an island and somebody grows up in somewhere else and you also come down to the same thing. Mm -hmm. So I'll put my head down. Like last summer in Japan, um, the current is really, really strong. And I remember like I was kept on lifting my head to see, you know, oh, is the land any closer? And I'm like, shut your mouth and just keep, put your head down and don't look up for 500 strokes. And I'm about one stroke per yard. So, you know, it made a difference. And then I did it again. And so I think it's like when it gets really hard, having that mental fortitude to be able to focus on what the most important thing is. And, um, <clears throat> Another, you know, that, so this one hard things are is I, I'm able to just put my head down. Another one was um, when I was doing Lake Tahoe and Lake Tahoe is swum primarily at the in the dark and it's beautiful and it's gorgeous. And there was some problems with the boat that I'm not going to go in with, but I, they had to stop and I kept swimming and I was essentially swimming just guided by the lights of uh, Reno, which were a dim glow off. And here I am, I'm literally over the deepest part of the lake, which is 1600 feet, pitch black, everything. I have a, a light stick on my butt and I've got a headlight on my head. And I just kept going because I'm like, I don't need to stop. And the boat catch, caught up with me like five minutes later but I didn't waste a lot of time worrying about them because this was the opportunity I had to do my swim. So I was just going to keep going. And afterwards, you know, the guy who was um, Dave Van Morick, who's a great guy, 
you know, we were talking about this soon at dinner the next night. And he's like, Marsha, you got grit. I don't know how many people would have done that in a dark lake. And, and it was like, it didn't even occur to me. I just keep going. I'm just a regular person as far as I'm concerned. Right. So that's some of, you know, getting away in the hard things is, you know, just keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. We're starting to run out of time and I feel like I have a million more questions to ask, but I'll try to um, round it out with just a couple more. Um, how can we include more people in the sport? You know what, for those of us in Chicago right now, I think it's, you know, having the lake and being introduced to the open water swimming and to have the pandemic here where this is your only opportunity to swim. Mm -hmm. I think swimming with other people to get people over the fear because I, let's see, I've been swimming open water for like 35 years. And I think probably the first 33 of them, I was petrified that I was going to get eaten by something or, you know, but it's a matter of introducing people to the, the water. You know, sometimes it's having a clinic mm -hmm. or, or rounding up people and saying, hey, there's going to be 50 of us that we're going to go and swim at the lake. I hope you'll come. And the place where I selected our group to swim at this summer is really shallow because we could have gone to another beach that gets deep really fast. And I didn't want people to be able, I didn't want people to get nervous in that re respect. But I think by introducing people and getting over, getting people over the fear of open mm -hmm. water because you can't touch the bottom. Sometimes you can't see the bottom. You know, having clinics. Um, my friend Chris Layton and I, um, who I've done several swims with, he, he and I do clinics um, right before Big Shoulders in Chicago every year. And it really, really helps people to just calm them down. And I've done yeah. a lot of clinics in open water and just helping people to know like, you're gonna be okay. Those buoys, uh, the, uh, those safe swimmer buoys are awesome too. And, and yeah. I, I wear one all the time when I'm yeah. training. Yeah, yeah, that's good, a good one. Um, what advice would you give to aspiring marathon swimmer other than to read your book, of course? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that's good. Um, I guess it's still on Amazon and all that. Um, you know, just to be patient and to be humble. And, you know, you've got to know that, that this is hard. You know, open water swimming is not pool swimming. You know, it's not going to be a 50 freestyle where you put your head down and boom, it's over. You know, this is for people who are willing to get dirty and stay in there for a little longer. It also requires training where, you know, your conditions change and you have to have, you know, being willing to get swallowed water and getting hit in the face by waves. And if you're in salt water, dealing with marine life and being safe and humble about what you're doing and not letting your ego get out for you swimming in a safe spot. Um, you know, working up to a swim instead of deciding, wow, I'm good at the such and so, so I'm going to be great at this longer distance or so. So I would say that it's just a matter of just understanding if you're a novice swimmer, then be like a novice, even though you might know the mechanics that are involved here. Mm -hmm. Last question, um, especially curious about this one about the 30 year long, 35 year long career. What marathon swimmers inspired you? <laughs> well, you know what? It's, 
you know, you always have your Gertrude Edley and Marilyn Bell and Princess or Florence Chadwick out there. Um, but what was kind of cool is that when open water swimming started getting popular, um, there was people like Chris Rutford out there and, you know, and then there was Marcy McDonald and Liz Fry and Nora Tolandano and Tammy Van Weiss and Shelly Taylor. And we all started around the same time, you know, overlapping by several years. And we sort of grown up together and they, a lot of them either like didn't have families, so they were able to keep swimming a lot or they did have families and then resumed their training and all like that. So we've been really inspirational for each other. And that is just so fun to have that core of friendships of people that go back for so long, you know, and that you wouldn't have any problems picking up the phone and calling them, even if you haven't talked to them for years and years. And I just, I love the people in open water swimming. I love the people in swimming in general. And so, you know, hearing other people and just knowing what they've been involved in. So it's just, you know, being inspired by my own peers a lot of the times and actually hearing that people are like inspired by me, which just totally floors me. Oh, always. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Oh, but you are an inspiration. Thank you so much for your time today, Marsha. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good luck with Eric, to all of you, and I hope everything works out for everybody. And let's get this. Let's get a vaccine going. Yeah, so we can get back back to it. Agreed. All right, you guys. Thank you so much. We'll see you Thanks. next week. <laughs>